So thank you everybody for being here. Um, I'm Marla Eddy, the City Forester of Madison. Um, and then also we have Parks, uh, Assistant Park Superintendent Charlie Romine. Um, and then we also have some other task force members in the back um, <laughs> that are part of this committee. I think some of them you know already. And then we have Steve Schultz, if you don't know him yet. And then also Carl over here. He's also on the, the EAB task force. Um, and as you may recall, we've been meeting since 2008 to deal with this uh, pest. And um, hopefully everybody has had an opportunity to take a look at their Emerald Ashbore plan update for 2015. And uh, with that uh, plan update, we included some figures from 2014 as far as like what trees we treated um, and then what we did in 2015. So just to kind of highlight that area. Um, so after we have, we have treated every single ash tree that is considered treatable according to the treatment criteria. So we did that uh, within the two years. So we, we met that goal and um, Going forward, as you know, we were in front of this body before talking about not a two-year treatment cycle, but going to a three-year treatment cycle because we find from studies um, from the Forest Service and from UW entomologist um, uh, Chris Williamson that this product is good for you could use it on a three-year cycle. So we will be begin implementing that three-year treatment cycle this year. So we'll be treating a third of those ash that are considered treatable. And if you can kind of see the, the amount, we're about 9,800 ash that are considered treatable, which is about 46% of what our, our ash population was. Um, you know, originally we had hope a little bit for higher um, numbers, but as we go through the city and the drought and some other things that are affecting our ash, maybe you saw something about ash yellows this year from Dane County. Um, so with that, um, we're right on target as far as meeting the removals. Um, the goal is to, to do 1,700 removals per year. And so we're right on target in, in meeting those goals. And then the other expectation is to do replacements, replace that tree within three planting seasons. And I think you will see uh, that that is right, again, on target um, in the neighborhoods. Um, so as we continue forward, um, I don't think we'll have any significant issues um, that we can predict. The only thing we can't predict is where the insect is showing up. Um, so some of you have received phone calls from me specifically um, telling you that we found something in your Alder district to be aware of it. Um, so we have gone from three infestation sites in 2014 to five more. So that gives us a total of eight infestation sites um, throughout the city. Um, did everybody get their map okay? Okay. Um, so we continue to monitor for other future threats. Uh, we did have some nuisance calls on gypsy moth this year, 
but there wasn't enough for a treatment block. Um, we also uh, did have the opportunity to do a log sale, log auction, which is another way of us looking at opportunities to upcycle our wood. Um, and uh, Charlie, did you want to say anything about parks? How things are going with parks? Sure. So uh, on the park side, uh, when Marla mentions uh, 1,700 renewals per year, that's on the city terrace. Uh, that would put us on a pace. Uh, we're on plan to finish up with removals on the terrace sometime in 2021. Uh, with our death curve uh, for ash trees, that puts us uh, right on plan. In uh, general parks and parkland, we have uh, a lot of trees, uh, at least as many if not more trees remove, ash trees remove in the parks as we do on the terrace. Fortunately, we can move faster in the parks because we're not dealing with parked cars and traffic and pedestrian walkways and that type of thing. So just so you're all aware, the, the plan in the parks is we have three, a three-person arborist crew that is working every day in the parks uh, to, to remove those trees. Um, I fully suspect come 2021 when the additional arborists in uh, city forestry are done on the terrace, we'll be reallocating some of that staff to finish up the parks. I suspect we'll finish up in parks two maybe three years afterwards. It just kind of depends on, on how, we're move, how we're able to move through. Um, as you all uh, may be aware, we do not do any of the EAB chemical treatments on park trees. We do have uh, an adopted tree program, which is essentially where um, residents, businesses, neighborhood associations, what have you, can uh, pay for the chemical treatment of those trees. Obviously, going to a three-year treatment cycle, it just became more affordable uh, for people to do that. Um, and the information in here uh, is broken out uh, on, the t on the city terrace trees as well as the park trees as far as number of removals, stumps scrubbed, and uh, the number adopted. So I think that uh, by way of an update pretty well gets us there. We wanted to make sure there was an opportunity for you all uh, to ask questions. Uh, we understand, of course, uh, some alders were not here two and three years ago when we were uh, going through getting the plan adopted and, and even some of the extensive neighborhood work that was done pre and post adoption of that plan and education around that plan. So um, I don't want to assume anybody knows anything, but if you have questions about the plan, certainly we can answer them here. We can also talk offline. Um, with that, I would open the floor if you all have questions. Sure, Alder King. I don't there. there you go. So uh, just to confirm, so I have my red dot in my district and a big purple area around it. And the purple area means that in that zone between you and parks, you're going to pretty much remove everything in a terrace or a park that's designated to be removed in 2016. Correct. Uh, but it does not, I'm not sure about the parks. My two largest parks are in the purple district. So what we're doing in the parks, because... <clears throat> pardon me, it's a little less structured and less staffed than on the, the terrace, is essentially, and, and this will be good information for everybody, and our larger parks, our regional-sized parks, obviously we have fewer of those, essentially that Parks Arborist crew is going to go through each of those parks every year and try to pick off the ones that are in the worst shape. If you go to Warner, for example, that Parks Arborist crew could get bogged down for months 
just removing ash trees in Warner Park. Well, we have a need much greater than that. So each year they will move through Warner, Vilas, you know, East Moreland, Wexford, etc. those larger parks, Vilas, and just kind of pick off the ones that don't seem like they would be safe to leave for another year. Um, and then for our neighborhood parks and smaller pocket parks, when they go into those parks, they're looking at it as is this tree in its current health as well as where we know we have infestations is this going to make it three years if yes we will leave it if not we're going to remove it now because we have 266 park properties they can't get to every single park every year so this allows them to visit the larger parks every year and that larger number of neighborhood and more pocket type parks every three years or so thank you some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that's that's going to be treated by the city, barring any major shift in policy, has been treated now. And so your area was treated last this in 2015. So we won't be back there until three years from now. And are the, the communications good as far as like letting you know we're coming into an area to do the removals ahead of time? Okay. Okay. All the rest are so that's others. actually my question. So that was really good because um, I think the notices are, have been really good for the terrace trees. Um, and as soon as that happens, you both know my neighborhoods all have more questions about the questions that are already being answered in the literature. But um, which is great. I mean, people are engaging. They want to know more. I've had questions about, so I wondered what the protocol is for the parks trees, because I get questions from the people that live surrounding the parks. Are there, and I get the notice, obviously, that you're in the parks, but is that the only notice that goes out when parks ash are being removed? Right now, yes, we're notifying the alder. Okay. Okay, so we should be sharing that information more broadly with our residents, because we know that questions are coming. How they want to go okay. about okay. that. Yeah. Alder, yeah, we have to um, questions about why it is that if the treatment schedule has gone from every two years to every three years, that the money that's been allocated for this program, as well as the uh, staff that was allocated on the basis of a um, two-year schedule, now going to a three-year schedule, um, why some of that isn't being extended to saving some parks trees. Um, in my district, along Oldbrook, in Oldbrook Park, along Atwood Avenue, it's completely lined with huge ash trees that all have dots on them. Um, when those trees go down, it'll look completely different, that drive. And... Um, it just bewilders me how it is that if you're getting 50% more out of a resource, why that does not allow some of those resources to be used for critical purposes in parks. Well, and, and I think when we were looking at the, the model for treatment and going after and, and evaluating there's a lot of information in the park side um, as far as 
where ash are located and so forth. We have some general numbers, but we certainly don't have the dial down sort of information about where those ash are um, and those numbers. We have a general idea um, of how much ash. I mean, we keep throwing this number. We have this much on the street. There might be two or three times that in our parks. So when you look at, yes, it was heavily planted ash. I understand that. But, I mean, you do know where some of it are because those trees have dots on them. Right, so it actually took boots on the ground to go through and find out where those were and confirm it, where those were. Right. So now that you know where some of the, I mean, even if you know where there are 100 trees, why isn't there resources to protect those 100 trees? So then because of what, with our three-year treatment cycle, we actually took a, uh, we actually reduced that budget because we knew that those resources weren't going to be necessary to, to go about that. I think it would be a significant increase than what we actually re- did our reduction by to be able to go after the park. And what was the reduction? I mean, we're, we're, we're putting as much money on forestry budget fee on people's utility bills this year as we did last year. If I remember correctly, we had that we had a reduction in our chemical supply, and then also our, our hourly seasonal staff, which I believe was about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right in there. Correct. Out of a total budget of what? Uh, I think it was right around three hundred thousand, three hundred to four hundred thousand. The, the, yeah, the chemical. If I recall off the top of my head, the chemical budget uh, for the treatment plan was three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That was a combination of the chemical, uh, the other supplies that are needed, and then the hourly staffing. The, the model that we've used for chemical treatment is that we, we send out one arborist, one arborist with two seasonals. Mm-hmm. So obviously that full-time ar- arborist has a lot of other uses even within the EAB response. So that individual was not turned loose. Now we are hiring fewer seasonals this year because we will be treating less trees. We bought significantly less chemical this year because we will be treating less trees. Those savings were returned to the budget. There was no shift in the policy to then start treating uh, ash trees in parks. I believe at one point I did the math at $150,000 savings, even if we went into the parks, you're you're not talking about saving a significant number of trees and, and number, Perhaps you could have, you know, we could have saved, a, you know, obviously we could have saved some, but that would have been a, a policy shift and, and not anything that there was any direction given, you know, quite frankly, from this body that we wanted to go. So we returned that money to the budget. Your, your question about the forestry special charge. Well, I don't, I don't think it was the different. council. I don't really don't think it was the council's fault that we didn't give direction on what parks trees uh, to treat. I mean, no, not specifically yeah, yeah, to, I, I to think what park trees. Right. Hmm? Not specifically to what park trees. Or, or even that there should be parks trees being treated because we've been told up to that point that it was fiscally impossible to do it because we were on this two-year cycle as opposed to a three-year cycle. Um, nonetheless, we're still we're keeping the same charge on the forestry fee. Uh, that hasn't been reduced. The, the forestry special charge is not related to EAB. Mm-hmm. That, that, is, that is unrelated. It, it, it so happened that they came about at the same time, but the forestry special charge is not related to EAB. The forestry special, special charge 
is, is separate of that and mm -hmm. completely unrelated. The, the charge is not related to EMP. Well, it's really construed as such. And, I understand and, where people have that, uh, that belief that it could be. Not a belief. I mean, if you look at the, pa the papers re revolving around that, it was full of information about EAB and the EAB issue and the EAB crisis. So, I mean, they were absolutely uh, dealt with or, or discussed as a single issue. But that aside, um, the, the issue at hand here seems to be that, uh, that, be, that there's, you lack direction as to what parks trees um, to, that could be benefit from treatment. No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't say that. The policy that was set forth was to not treat park trees. That policy was never changed. Uh, when we came here uh, last fall, late yeah. summer, and had the conversation about going to a two-year treatment cycle, yeah. to a three-year treatment cycle, and that savings, there was no shift in direction given to then apply that savings to. Apply, uh, treating trees in parks. I don't think that, that question, money was returned. I think that the question budget. came up, and when I raised the question at that time, the issue was that it was administratively difficult to be able to ascertain which kind of trees, which park trees to treat. Well, that would be an issue, sure. I mean, I could go out and pick winners and losers. Yeah. Um, but you're going to have. Uh, I, I would suggest that for every park you go out and try and treat a tree, which you couldn't even save one ash tree per park, um, you're going to have people start to disagree on why did you save that tree and not this tree? Why did you pick that park and not this park? So is that, would that be troublesome? Yes. Could, could myself, could Marla go out and kind of start going through and picking out trees to save? Sure. But mm -hmm. to what ends? So the idea was to start the end to start, is to save those trees. The, the the idea in the parks and what was communicated when the plan was put through was, of course, there is a finite amount of resources, hmm. and to use the uh, the parks to start turning over the urban turning over the urban forest. Um, again, because a, a finite a number of resources and. Um, as opposed to terrace where you have some order in which you can can go down the road, remove trees, replant trees. The parks are just a different a different animal. You know, I don't want you to think that the reason we're not treating trees in parks is because it would be an administrative burden. It would be, but that wasn't the reason. It's a matter of resources and resource allocation. Yes. Uh, trees in, in parks, one of the initiatives that you um, uh, had was um, adopt a tree. Yeah. And I got here a little bit late, but I don't think I missed anything on that. Um, I know about District 2 how that has kind of played out. And I'm just wondering about the, the rest of, of the city in terms of um, has that program gotten off the ground or been successful or... Uh, what's happening with that? Sure, there's a, there are a number of trees that have been adopted. We're right around 100, uh, 90 to 100 right now. Um, we had a number of people call in in the fall that had some interest for this coming spring. Um, typically, what happens is we'll go into a park and uh, the chainsaw start, and then people, that's kind of their wake up, just like I, I suspect many of you experienced when the terrace trees started coming down in front of somebody's house, now all of a sudden the EAB 
crisis was real to them, and they called you, they called me, they called Marla. We're seeing that in the parks as well. So uh, we have, I think, uh, 25 or 30 more applications to go through in the spring once we leaf out, and we're right around 90 to 100 adopted now. And, and my hope would be that because we have gone to that three-year treatment cycle, it makes it more affordable. Mm-hmm. It will be more accessible to, to yeah, people who want because I, I think that there are around 37 or something like that in uh, Tenney, James Madison, and Reynolds. Yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yes. So decades ago, there was the Dutch elm disease. Now there's EAB. I'm wondering, is there anything kind of coming down the pike that you're foreseeing that is going to take out the oak trees or something? Like, what what's next, I guess? Um, yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, the There's another um, infestation that's from Asia. It's called the Asian longhorn beetle. Um, and Chicago had it. And they, uh, I think it took them about five years to eradicate it. It um, is a, a very large beetle. It's about the size of a quarter. Um, and this one is a little bit harder to manage because it actually burrows into the heartwood of the tree. So chemical treatment is very difficult because it's not residing in the cambium. Um, so you're actually in solid wood. And it um, loves maple. So uh, the nearest infestation is in Ohio, um, and then over on the East Coast we have it in, near New York and uh, uh, near the Boston area as well. Um, so that is the next insect on the horizon um, that we monitor for, and then we also monitor for the gypsy moth issue, which is another invasive pest, but that one's taken about a hundred years to get across the U.S., so it's not as quickly moving. Um, And then we, of course, have our, we still do have some Dutch elm disease pockets here in the city that shows up once in a while, and then we do have oak wilt. Um, But, you know, with sanitation, those are things that we can kind of keep our our trees healthy, um, taking them out when they're infested with a disease. But insects are the hardest thing to you know, manage because we can't control where they're going to fly. Um, and the entomologists say there's probably a 33% chance that there will be another um, imported insect um, brought into the United States in the next 10 years. The problem is what trees occur on this continent also occur in Europe and also in Asia and so forth. So it makes it easy for their insects to adapt to our trees. Thank you. And so what Marla has done in her time as city alder then is to start planting a more diversified plant list so we don't have 25% ash trees. Yeah, you bet. Anyone else? Over here. First, I think you gave Marla a demotion a minute ago, Charlie. I think you said her time as city alder. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's quite a demotion from city forester, Charlie. Forester, Mike. <laughs> anyway, thank you both for being here, and, and also thank you in advance for the um, written report uh, annual update that we received a few weeks ago. Uh, I have a two-part question. The, the first is from... Uh, 
our seat on the Board of Estimates. It seems that for the last several years, the Parks Division has underspent the line items that we've provided you for replacement trees. And given that we all care so deeply, as, as you all know, about our urban forest, it's kind of been a little frustrating that we want to give you as many resources as we can to replace our rapidly depleting um, tree canopy, but I presume I want to hear your response that because of the corresponding labor issues and costs and your priority seems to be removal as opposed to replacement. Is that why you our, are underspending the materials our, in, in the last few years? Our priority would be to um, replace as fast as, or replant it, to remove as fast as we need to to stay in front of that death, death curve but then replant as fast as we can. Quite frankly, looking back two, three, four years ago, we lacked the, the staffing ability to be able to go through the entire process of remove, uh, then streets would grub it, then we would have to have a specialist come back and review the site, select a tree, uh, and then replant the trees fast enough. We had, uh, so we just didn't have enough staff chasing those dollars. Um, city Forester, uh, Marla Eddy, um, <laughs> as many of you will recall, last year brought forward the idea of contract planting, which uh, contract growing, excuse me, yeah, growing. which I, I and Marla really appreciate you all approving. It was a shift in the way the city's done business, which has allowed us to get out ahead, uh, sure that we have trees to put in the ground, um, uh, sure that we have a diversity of trees to put in the ground. Back to Alder Hall's question about DED, part of the reason we're in the mess we have with ash was because 30 years ago, that's what they had. So to put a tree in the ground, they just had to slam in a bunch of ash. So by doing the contract growing now, we have enough, we'll have trees available, uh, a diversity of trees, and because of the additional staffing we have, which has included a third uh, forestry specialist, not to mention the extra arborist, help, we'll have the staff to expend those funds to put the trees in the ground to stay those three planting cycles, which is about a year behind the removal. So I don't think you'll continue to see that. No. In matter of fact, like our spring planting, we put an order in with a lot of the nurseries in August already for spring. Now I've got the Middleton Forester asking me, hey, I can't find any trees. You know, so I know normally we would put our spring order in like in maybe January, December. So we're really trying to keep ahead of the curve and making sure we're meeting those needs today. So um, we are right on target um, as far as doing the replacements within the three growing seasons. Right that's, on target. That's good to hear. I have a follow-up, and then I do have yet another question after that. But as probably many of my colleagues know, you were unsuccessful finding a contractor for our fall planting in 2015. Could you elaborate, Marla and or Charlie, as to why you couldn't find any responsible bidders to take care of our fall planting uh, that you didn't have your own source, re your own labor resources to handle, and and uh, what is the prospect for 2016? So what we like to do is contract out the planting for the downtown areas um, because of the great site. Um, where the contractor uh, actually has to dig out the old soil out of the, the pit 
and then we can come back, and then they come back and replace it. Um, so we went out twice to see if we could get a contractor to do that. They considered it very uh, difficult, not interested in dealing with all the traffic control and pedestrian control um, and dealing with it in that sense or the one-way streets. Um, so they were just, that was, they've done it and they're, they're, they've got too many other contracts that they can do which are a lot easier in a nice green grass terrace versus in a great cutout and lifting up the grapes and replacing the soil and then putting the tree back in. It's, it's heavy. It's heavy work. And the outlook for this year, then, do we have we are going to contractor in place? We for are going plant? to internalize that. So we went to staff. And we said, okay, let's break this down. See if there's an opportunity. Do you think we can do that? What are what are the things that we're going to need to do to get that internalized? So it might mean some more purchase of some equipment, um, you know, and working through that process. So there will, there will be no spring contractor for plantings nope. will there be in the fall or do you plan you plan to bring that all in-house I'm talking citywide not just oh. the downtown yeah dealing, the downtown um, great trees street great trees yeah the, we don't anticipate needing a fall contract either so you won't have a contractor for an, outside contractor at all next this year no we don't anticipate doing that okay well it's good to know that you yeah we only use that contract the internal for downtown. resources yep and then my, my other question, this might seem somewhat out of left field, but let me ask it anyway. Uh, as you, I think, are both aware, a constituent had volunteered uh, about a month or so ago to apply for grant funding to help us battle EAB, that there was a foundation that apparently was ready, willing, and able to assist us financially with our fight against the EAB. And so he met with both forestry staff in terms of the street trees as well as um, parks maintenance staff in terms of the park trees and the response that my constituent received was uh, we could probably we could use your assistance as was already discussed following the the chemical treatment um, for park trees given that our policy is to use outside third-party funding and arrange you know the chemical uh, applicators and so forth but as it related to the street trees the response I'm not saying that either one of you were the ones that said this to him but the response was thanks but no thanks we have sufficient funding in our budget for our street tree program uh, and and so we would not be interested in, in grant funding again I would this is a you know I wasn't party to the uh, conversation this is uh, secondhand but I was just curious. It seems to me that we are always trying to do whatever we can to access grant funding. We have a full-time grant writer, of course, in the finance department and and in the police department. Uh, do you, do you have, could either of you shed any light as to why? I'm not sure the the foundation. I don't know. I don't recall meeting with anybody this last year about a grant foundation. But we had a apparently Dean did. Okay. Um, but we, what we have um, applied for in the past is a DNR Urban Forestry Grant, and we already had a grant from the DNR, which we needed to end before we could go and ask the DNR for another Urban Forestry Grant. And treatments would be those opportunities. Um, and I'm talking about, I'm sorry to interject, but our time is limited. I'm talking about resources for street tree replacement 
and or chemical treatment of street trees to supplant city levy money and again the response apparently was thanks but no thanks we our budget is all set for the forestry run street tree program we would welcome your partnership with and this is a, a local nonprofit foundation okay. uh, not not the DNR I'm asking about Marla oh. just to give you if I'm losing you here do you either maybe we'll have to just continue I've, the conversation offline some with urban or I've worked in park with I believe it's the urban tree alliance or uh, the name is escaping me uh, for brevity's sake if you would like to give them my contact information or Send it to me. I'd be maybe, happy to reach out. And maybe you all could check with Dean. I'll, I'll talk yeah. to you right after we adjourn this session and, and give you more specifics. But, okay. Thank you both. Yeah. Anyone else? About time? Okay. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you.